Well, Michael Eilich grew up in Detroit in the 1940s, and he had a dream to play for the Detroit Tigers baseball. He shared that his parents came over from a small country in Europe. They did not speak English, but his father had taught him it's important to go to school and then get a job. He didn't support this pursuit of his son's baseball dream. However, for Michael Eilich, his dream consumed him. He played baseball throughout high school, and he did very, very well. After school, he joined the military, but he had done so well at baseball. When he returned from the military, the Detroit Tigers offered him a, a place on the team, a four-year contract. Unfortunately, three years into the contract, he had a knee injury that ended his baseball career. Knowing how upset his father would be, he knew he would need to find a job. And indeed, when his father found out his baseball career was over, he told him, I told you that was a silly dream. You could never make a living at baseball. And it was then that Michael had to decide what he was going to do now that his dream had come to an end. Isaiah 49:16 is a verse probably most people know by heart. Before this statement here, Isaiah had said to those who believe in him, could I forget you? Could a mother forget a child? Of course, I could never forget you. And then Isaiah 49:16, he says to his followers, behold, I have engraved you upon the palms of my hands. The promise here from Isaiah is with God. Your name is never out of his mind. Truthfully, truthfully says it's your, your name is then even engraved on his hands. A, a beautiful statement that forever and always God is thinking about you, thinking about me, and he's very intimately involved in our life. And as we move through Lenten season, part of this time of year is to stop and reflect about how great is the grace of God, the love of God, the presence of God, and, and the promise that he would never leave us nor forsake us. And so much so is the promise fulfilled that your name and my name is engraved on his hand. So you think about if that was true for you and me, every time that you touch something, you would see somebody's name there on your hand. You'd never forget that. The ultimate expression, of course, of being engraved in the hand of God is Jesus who took the cross and the nails then piercing through his hands and feet. I had a professor once who shared, you know, people had teased him. He was a, a professor of theology. He'd go to a cafe and friends there would tease him and they would try to stump him with complicated Bible questions. And one day he was having a bad day. It was Lenten season. He shared that one of his friends, as he was leaving the cafe, said, I have a question. And the professor said, you know what? I'm not in the mood today for jokes. And this man said, it's not a joke. I really have a question. He said, I don't understand why Christians call it Good Friday. And this professor, you know, he had a rough time himself. And he looked at this person and he said, you know what? You're right. Maybe we shouldn't call it Good Friday because for Jesus, that day was lousy. He said, look, let me tell you, though, why it was good for me. It meant my sins were erased. It meant I received eternal life. It meant knowing that Christ loved me so much he poured out his life and that my name is engraved on his hands. So as we move through this Lenten season, moving towards Resurrection Sunday, something to keep in mind as we enter into this Lenten season, some people might be thinking, you know what, feeling a, a loss or feeling something missing or looking for an answer for questions that seem unanswerable. 
and ultimately all things are found in Christ and the promises if you trust in him you believe in him then he's engraved your name on his hands and what is the the lousy Friday for him was the good Friday for you for me because he secured life on our behalf and brought forgiveness and conquered death and hell and the grave you know, Luke twenty two fifty three. this is when Jesus is being arrested. Judas has betrayed him with a kiss, and then the soldiers and the chief priest move forward to arrest Jesus, and Jesus says to them, Luke twenty two fifty three. this is your hour and the power of darkness. The idea here, though, is permission is being given. Jesus said to them, I had been in the temple courts, and now you come to arrest me at night like a thief. And if you read the account in the Gospel of John, when they approach and say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, he says, I am he, and the people fell on the ground. And so that's an issue that is taking place here. It's a permission when he says, this is your hour. It's a dark hour, and it's a dark power, but it's something he allowed to happen. It was an hour given by him. They did not take it, nor could they take it, nor could they do what they did until he allowed it. And again, why did he allow it for you, for me? I've always appreciated my wife and I both, Jeff Moore, a musician, and he wrote a song a few years ago, and it was called, That's When I'll Know I'm Home. And some of the lyrics are this. He says, there is a place where truth will always be spoken and promises can be believed. A place where your hearts can't be broken and loved ones will never leave. So if you are longing for a place of belonging, the home you've dreamed of is waiting for you. When no one will ever be hungry or cold, no one will hurt or will ever grow old, no one will die and leave someone alone, that's when I'll know I'm home. Forever no pain or disease, all will be equal, all will be free. True love will come and we will fall at his feet, that's when I'll know I'm home. Secured on our behalf, again, by the one who has engraved your name and my name on the palm of his hand. I think there's some real wisdom here from a quote here from Joel Osteen. You know, people entering into the Lenten season or any time of the year and having challenges in life. And there's the, the dark Fridays before the resurrection Sunday. There's the challenges of life. And Joel Osteen shares, you know, when people say, I'm discouraged because of this event that happened to me, I remind them of something. And so that event, maybe it's the loss of a job, a betrayal of a friend. Maybe it's divorce or, or a bad report from a doctor, whatever it is. And, and he says, you know, when people say they're discouraged about an event, I remind them the problem is you're isolating single incidents. God hasn't brought them together yet. If that bad break were going to keep you from your destiny, God wouldn't have allowed it. That setback was a setup for God to show out in your life. Same thing, if we just isolated the Good Friday events with the arrest and the fake trial and the, the beating and the cross, you know, isolating that event, it, it looks very dark. But when you see it in the grand scheme of things, that Jesus allowed that to happen and he then rose on that resurrection morning, then you see that, again, that isolated event was leading to victory. If you look at, for instance, Joseph's life, when his brothers would betray him, they, they took the coat of many collars, 
threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery. That isolated event, a, a very dark time, but when he was taken to Egypt, he eventually became the second in charge of the entire country. And then from that position, he saved his family's life. Again, what maybe is a dark moment can often be a setback that's a setup, again, so that God can show up in a different way in your life, in my life. It brings us back to Michael Elich. His dream of playing baseball was over. He had to find a job, so he found a friend that owned a restaurant, said, my dad's very upset. I just need a place to work so that he will stop being so angry with me after I pursued this dream of baseball. The friend said, you know, I have a, a small restaurant and you can help make pizza. And so Michael Illich went to the back and he made pizza and he did it very well. And he learned everything he needed to know about pizza and he opened his own pizza restaurant. And it did so well, he opened a second one. And that one did so well, he opened a chain. That chain of pizza restaurants are Little Caesars Pizza. And Michael Illich has made so much money then from Little Caesars, though he couldn't play baseball any longer on the Detroit Tigers baseball team. From his position of starting Little Caesars, he bought the Detroit Tigers baseball team. You see, again, sometimes that setback is a setup for, for something more than we could ever imagine. That's the beauty of this time of year. The, the setback from Good Friday was truly a setup for Resurrection Sunday and, and the promise of all things being fulfilled in Christ. So let's take a look a few moments at Psalm 121. I invite you to visit this psalm throughout this season leading up to uh, Easter morning. But Psalm 121... The author is unknown. It was not David. But every verse here is a, a statement, a, a celebration of God's promise of his presence and his provision. And Psalm 121 starts, the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. What the psalmist is saying here, he's looking at Mount Zion, the temples on Mount Zion, Jerusalem on a hill, and he says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. It's a symbol of looking above for the answer. And he says, the answer comes from God, the maker of heaven and earth. Mark Barber notes, this psalm orients one to the majesty of the Lord rather than the adversities we face. This is a rightful posture. We look to God first, then we look at our problems in the light of who God is. I want to share some amazing stories here this morning of people that, that know the promise of being engraved on the hand of God. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. We look to the hills. Our help comes from above. And, and one of those places that this was an amazing occurrence was in the life of Antoinette Tuff. She was a Georgia high school teacher just a few years ago. And what happened is one day a shooter entered the building and fortunately nobody was hurt during this moment here but this person entered the building and he started shooting his gun in the classrooms and all the students and the teachers they barricaded themselves inside their classes and he went up and down the hallway firing this gun and suddenly now the SWAT team surrounds the building there's police helicopters above and the police surround the building and this gunman he goes into a classroom and he barricades himself in there and inside that classroom behind a table there was one person in there Antoinette Tuff 
She knew she would not be able to get out. He was going to discover her, so she stood up. He immediately turned around, pointed the gun at her, and she said, listen, I understand. You know, life, life is tough. She said, I was married for many years, and my husband, he left me after many years of marriage, and I sank into depression myself, and you know what? I was even suicidal. And then one day, God rescued me and turned my life around and gave me peace. And she looked at him and said, if he can do that for me, he can do that for you. She shared the gunman then just simply sat the gun down, raised his hands. She opened the door. The police arrested this man without further incident. And again, no one was hurt. Antoinette Tuff was asked in an interview after this man was arrested what it was like And she said this, God put me there because I had been through what he was going through. So again, sometimes the the valleys, the, the Good Friday moments, the dark times are there for us to see God even stronger in our life and know his presence even more and to see, again, the promise that our help comes from above. Takes us back to Psalm 121. The next set of verses says, he will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Behold, the protector of Israel will not slumber or sleep. The promise is that God is not only able, but that he is willing to, you know, answer our prayers, to rescue us, to deliver us. It's equally necessary that the Lord be not only willing to rescue us, but again, that he is able to, and both those are true. And the ultimate expression of that, again, is what Isaiah says, that he's engraved your name on his hands. Robert Murray McChain says it well. He said, it's not great talents God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. And one of those places to become more like Jesus is here in this time of Lenten services and Lenten season to say, you know, God, what needs to exit my life? What do I need to repent of? What sins do I need to confess? What relationships do I need to see healed? What great need is there in my life to see that maybe this single event is a setup for something greater to take place in my life. Lolo Jones, most people know her. She's an Olympic athlete. She competed in the 2008 Olympics. 100-meter hurdle dash. She was the best in the world, favored to win without any issue. At the race, the, the starter gun went off. She took off. She hit the first hurdle, second hurdle, all the way up to the eighth hurdle. The ninth hurdle, she tripped and that allowed the other racers to pass her and she lost the gold to everybody's just surprise and disappointment. Her whole life she'd been training for this 12 second moment and one slip cost her her dream. But she said something great in an interview after losing. She said, I'm very disappointed, it's very painful, but I now know I can help other people who have fallen. Again, all of Lenten season is about seeing that maybe there are places where we've all had that place that we have fallen, but maybe that setback is really a setup for God to show out in our life and to use us in ways we could not have been used had we not gone through some of those moments that seem so difficult. Isaiah 121 continues, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. 
just again, promises verse after verse that God is our daily provider, that he is the one, no matter what the need, it may seem insignificant, but to him it's significant because you're a child of the king. And every day he provides whatever need it is that we have. Paul Tilly says, sometimes a wave of light breaks into our darkness. And it's as though a voice were saying, you are accepted. A voice that was saying, you are accepted. Again, the acceptance is there because the promise is, behold, I have engraved you upon the palms of my hands. The last part of Psalm 121 says this, the Lord will guard you from all evil. He will preserve your soul. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Saved from the darkness, saved from the enemy. Remember, Jesus says, this is your hour of darkness. It was going to be a moment compared to the glory of the grace of God and the light of Christ. And he allowed that moment and he said, this is your moment, this is your hour, this is your power, this is your darkness. But it only lasted briefly. And then Resurrection Sunday happened, and the tomb is empty, and Christ is risen, again, conquering all things on our behalf so that we can live day-to-day in victory. And maybe you're in a place right now, and you're not feeling that victory. I encourage you to take Psalm 121, take time and read it, study again Isaiah 49, 16, and ask God to make that real in your life, to say, you know what, God, show me that love that is so great, you promise you'll never forget me because my name is engraved in the palm of your hand. Maybe there's some moments in your life where there's not always answers for why things have happened, but you can say, God, show me how maybe this setback is a setup so that you can show out in my life and you can use this for your glory to transform other people's lives. And maybe it's a time to just say thank you for the, the grace that is greater than all sin. And the promise is that I look to my help from above because my help comes from a loving father who has poured out the life of his son that we might be free indeed. So let me share something here, an amazing story. This is something Joel Osteen had shared about the person on the screen here, Victoria Arlen. She had been sick for many years while she was growing up, and doctors did not know why. They decided at one point to remove her appendix, and that did not help In fact, as she entered into her teenage years, she got weaker by the moment. They had no idea why, and then she sank into a coma. Again, the doctors, when she was in a coma, then said to the parents, I don't think she's going to make it. We don't know why this has happened, and we don't know what to do to help. Her parents, though, had a different belief system. They believed strongly in the the presence of God, the the grace of Christ, the, the healing power of prayer. And they believed that Victoria was going to recover. For two years, Victoria was in a coma completely unconscious. About two years in, she herself would share that she became conscious, but she couldn't open her eyes, so nobody knew. But in her room every day were her parents talking to her, speaking words of faith over her. 
they turn on a television set where sermons were taking place and one of the people on TV was Joel Osteen, other ministers. And she said as she sat in bed, she couldn't move at all and nobody knew she was conscious, but she listened to her parents' words of faith. She listened to the ministers on TV and in her mind, she repeated those words of faith about health and healing and love and grace and the resurrection of Christ. And then about three years in, she opened her eyes. And her mother came in and saw her eyes open, but she couldn't move at all. So her mother simply said, if you can understand me, then blink your eyes. And Victoria was able to blink. And they began to communicate simply by asking questions. And she would blink yes or no. About four years in, she finally was able to start to move parts of her upper body. But she had to relearn everything from how to hold a spoon how to say the alphabet, anything at all that she had known before, she had to relearn through intense therapy. She eventually was able to leave the hospital, but she was paralyzed from the waist down. She went back to school, a a tremendous victory in and of itself. But she continued to go to therapy and continued to confess healing and continued to believe in her hope that comes from above. For Victoria Arlen, Nine years after she originally slipped into a coma, she graduated school, moving on with her life, and at nine years, she stepped out of that wheelchair. At 10 years, nobody could even know she had ever been in a coma. Perfect health. In fact, today, she's an actress and a model and a motivational speaker. She says of that moment in her life, though, I wouldn't choose what happened to me but I wouldn't change it. Why wouldn't she change it? Because she herself has known darkness and light invading that darkness and knows what it is to help people who feel like maybe there aren't any answers for the situation they are facing and she can come alongside of them and say, listen, I know God loves you so much that your name is engraved on his hand. I know the one who has entered into the darkness to bring light, to bring healing, to bring hope. She knows the promise of what the psalmist shared when he himself again would state, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. So again, as we enter into this Lenten season, as we rapidly move towards resurrection morning, again, maybe there's some moments in your life, some moments in my life, and we need to say, maybe this incident this betrayal, this hurt, this pain, this loss, maybe this setback is really a setup for God to show out in our life and to use some of those moments where he has given us spiritual muscle to speak to other people's lives, to be able to say to them, maybe in their moment of hopelessness, listen, if he's done it for me, I can tell you that he will do it for you. Because he is the one who allowed that hour of darkness. He is the one who allowed Good Friday. And he is the one who on Sunday morning burst forth from the tomb, securing life everlasting and victorious living now for you, for me. Truly, where does our hope come from? Our hope comes from above. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth.